it's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. All right. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. How you doing, Jeff? I'm feeling like uh, we're having a little bit of an out-of-body experience here. Yeah? Why is that? Well, I mean, for years we've been doing this podcast, right? And it started with me like recording in my closet at home during COVID. And then yep. we've, we've in the here recently, we've gone to YouTube, but it's usually like the two of us sitting at a conference room table with mm-hmm. a blank wall or something like that all of a sudden we've got this like nice fancy setup yeah got pretty things on the shelves we brought in an even prettier thing to join <laughs> us here as part of the podcast yeah. but uh we are i don't know if everybody on youtube can see that shiny gold uh cross there but we're in the presence of this is no ordinary guest here no Scott, it might be ordinary it? time but it is no ordinary that's guest. right would you do you want to introduce him or do you remember his name why don't you do the first word i'll do the second word uh which which word am I going? Are we Archbishop. going ben, venerable or is it honor <laughs> the honorable? Mo- the the most. most the most venerable honorable. What is it? What's the first reverend. I've ever been accused of the being most cute. reverend? So the most reverend venerable is the first time being accused. <laughs> Archbishop Thompson, how are you? I was doing well until this moment. <laughs> Not sure what to think, but otherwise I'm doing fine. Archbishop uh, Charles S. Thompson of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, or Charles C. Thompson? Yes. 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 I should know that. We What's hear. the C for? Coleman. I'm named after my father. Oh, Coleman. wonderful. Wonderful. Like a lantern. Charles Coleman Thompson, yes. I was going to say Charles, but that didn't make sense. Charles Charles Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> what if? That would have been the end of the podcast right there. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, no, Archbishop Thompson, thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've obviously, you've been on the podcast before. You've uh, We've always appreciated. Usually, though, I feel like you don't know you're on the podcast until Krista shoves you into a chair in front of a computer, and then here we are, and you have to turn and say, what'd you get me into? But this time, you, you willingly, on your own, showed up here today. <laughs> Drove here in a car. Who's yeah. to say she didn't drive me and didn't tell me where <laughs> she was taking Because we saw you pull up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you so much. This is truly an honor. Uh, yeah. we were, we've been excited for, for a month to have you here. We even cleaned up the place. This is great. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you said that you had a, a homily prepared for this Sunday, but you wrote it a little while ago. Oh, yeah. All right. Several were, weeks ago. But it's still right here? No. That's why, I that. <laughs> that's why we write these things. Well, that's right. So. Unfortunately, the only thing you have to rely on to remember it is going to be my two-minute drill of the readings, and no promises there yeah. if that's going to help you at all. Might not help you for the readings, but it will be gold content. It's always entertaining. Yeah. This is a special one this week. I'm excited. Yeah? Yeah. All right. It's no ordinary fourth Sunday of ordinary time, but it is the fourth Sunday of ordinary time. Isn't that correct? Third. Third? 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 Yep. Third. You're a week ahead. Better I got to write another homily. I'm a whole week ahead. Did you prepare a whole week ahead? I did prepare a whole week ahead. Should we hit pause? (laughs) Oh, Oh. 
Do you want to do the two-minute drill, Scott? Well, I've never done it before, but I'm going to give it a shot. Oh, my gosh. I'm an idiot. So the... the what a... Oh, I'm the, so embarrassed. Oh, man. So embarrassing, Jeff. Just kidding. All right. So the, 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 the first reading is from Jonah, uh, Jonah's mission to, to Nineveh. Uh, the major themes that here we're looking for is God's mercy, God's decision to spare Nineveh upon seeing their, their repentant actions is what I kind of gathered from there. The second reading is the urgency of the times. You forgot the responsorial psalm. Oh, sorry. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Why don't you do the responsorial psalm? Yeah, I got the second reading too. I prepared while you were doing the first one. <laughs> <laughs> the responsorial psalm is teach me your ways, O Lord. Psalm 25, uh, Psalm 25. A nice uh, classic reminder. It, it, you know, we talk about this a lot. We talk about bangers on and and like these great responsorial psalms and all this stuff. But eighty percent of the time, I think the responsorial psalm is just like a message I need to hit me in the head a couple times during yep. the week. And so, luckily, the scriptures have provided that for yeah. us. And and the the plant the USCCB and all their planning of the readings. What were you going to say? I was, just gonna, yeah. I was going to mention to Archbishop, I don't know how frequently you listen to the podcast, but <laughs> we usually classify the responsorial psalm into two categories. One is banger, which just means like, that's the one that's going to make the cantor get up and be really excited and belt it. And the other one is mumblers, which are just really long ones that are hard mm-hmm. to remember. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> That even, even you uh, presiding by the end of it, you're still having to like really think hard to get all the way through the <laughs> response. Uh, the second reading is... This is a uh, this one that that has to. I'm going to be very careful because our wives listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, this reminder that those who have wives, uh, we should act as not, if if we don't have them. So let those having wives act not having them, which is a little scary. That feels like a trap. Um, and those weeping, not weeping. I think it's uh, the idea of we should be seeking joy and. Uh, focusing on what it is that the world is giving us because it gives this final line for the world in in its present form is passing away that we should be preparing for the end Mm -hmm. we shouldn't be holding on to those things that um that we focus here on at the end of time or on earth but should be focusing on the end of times and preparing for that time we're living in the world but not of it there you go is that what your your summary that was good that was my summary yeah that was good I should just, you should just do this from now on. I'm good. I'm a couple years in. So, uh, our gospel here, I said I was as prepared as I've ever been. And I'm really embarrassed. (laughs) Anyway, our gospel reading, I can't mess this up. That's, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, Mark chapter one, 14 to 20. There's no hard words. You're good. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother, Andrew, casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little further and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called to them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat along with the hired men and followed him. All right. Good work, Jeff. Thanks. Did we get anything wrong? Do we need to change anything? No, those are the readings for the weekend. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> for the third Sunday <laughs> of Ordinary Time. <laughs> for the, not the fourth. Thank you. Uh, I found myself when I, was, when I was thinking about when I actually was preparing for this podcast, but I was going to read the gospel. Typically, I t- we talk, I'll, I'll like talk to priests about how like 
maybe a relief that somebody else is reading the gospel, unless you've got a deacon around. But you probably very rarely read the gospel at Mass, correct? Very rarely. Especially That's, on weekends, on Sundays and holy days. Weekdays, Yeah, a lot of times I can proclaim it because I, I wouldn't have a deacon. Like gotcha. I'm having Mass at the Catholic Center or some mm-hmm. other place. Where but, are you preaching at this weekend? Um, this I have a for Sunday. I have a, a, a 200th anniversary mass for the for Catholicism in Dearborn County. Ah, so it kind of it's interesting. The readings are all about time, about Kairos, seizing the time, and so celebrating 200 years of of Catholicism in Dearborn and think about throughout those 200 years of time what what has been going on, you know, all the different events. Ups, highs and lows, ups and downs, uh, great advances, great um, disasters, all the things in 200 years. But in all that time, seizing the moment, as St. Paul says, hmm. and and uh, responding to the Word of God as the Ninevites do with Jonah's preaching, and then repenting and uh, rec- recognizing the time is now, as Saint, as Jesus says in the Gospel. So it kind of ties in very well with the, with the uh, 200th anniversary. Yeah. Two things here. One, uh, two hundred years is crazy. Mm-hmm. That's like that's so long. Yeah. Um, but also, we have. You should be be aware. We have a pretty pretty good listenership in Dearborn County. Mm-hmm. Father Meyer is a, a regular uh, mm-hmm. met a regular guest on the podcast. He himself is a listener. Yep. So we have a, we've had a lot of anniversaries this year in the last few months. Then the last since about September. We, this is our all two hundredth or no. This will be the second two hundredth anniversary. Okay. Saint Mary's of the Knobs celebrated this two hundredth anniversary this past fall. Uh, I think the the oldest ex- continuing parish in the archdiocese, third oldest I believe in the state of Indiana. I think there's two in um, the diocese of Evans. Saint Mary of the Knobs is yes. Wow. The so we had that one. We've had two hundred. We have two one hundred seventy fifths. We've had a hundred fiftieth. Uh, two seventy fives, and then this two hundred. So we just these last few months have been a lot of anniversaries. So these readings all about time. I just found myself sitting here thinking, I've heard you say this before, and I couldn't remember. But I, it was at the St. Mark seventy fifth mm-hmm. anniversary mass that I attended that you you were there and preaching at. So yeah, we've had seven. I couldn't. I was like, I was like, did we already talk about this on the podcast? <laughs> so yeah, no, that's. Uh, it, I guess it makes sense. At, there was a part of me that was like, well. Why would these all be happening at the same time? But I guess it makes sense that like you'd have multiple of the same length mm-hmm. because at the times that these bishops were opening these new churches and everything, it probably was happening in waves like that as populations grew and mm-hmm. not necessarily one here, one there. Yeah. But Growth, the demographics, all the different things. You think about 200 years ago, um, and I don't want to give away too much of my homily for the weekend, but 200 years ago— uh, the diocese of Evans, the diocese of Vincennes, wasn't founded until 1834, so that's less than 200 years ago. So at the time, oh uh, wow, say St. Mary's and Knobs was founded, it's the time when they first Catholicism first came into um, Dearborn County, it was under the diocese of Bardstown, Kentucky. Really? So in 1808, um, they founded four new dioceses: Bardstown, Philadelphia, New York, and Bardstown, Bardstown, Philadelphia, New York, and uh, Boston. Okay. It's the only time Bardstown's ever been in the same. State. I was gonna say that's New a, York, that's Philly, quite. Boston. <laughs> so up until up until eighteen April eighteen oh eight. That's my only, birthday. There's only one diocese uh, in the whole country, and that was um, Baltimore. So hmm. on April the eighth of that year, they formed these new, founded these four new dioceses, and, and our, Baltimore became an archdiocese. So hmm. everything west of the Alleghenies that was U.S. territory was the diocese of Bardstown. So when they founded 
um, when when they founded St. Mary's and the Knobs, when they when the Catholicism began in Dearborn County, it was under the Diocese of Bartstown. That's crazy. So it even predates the Diocese of, of Vincennes. Well, I was sitting there thinking, like, why would Bardstown be the choice? But it was probably the biggest town. Like, again, there was a reason. It's yeah, where like, the settlement was where the Catholics yeah. were gathering. So coming from Baltimore, basically from Maryland. Yeah, is Bardstown still a diocese? No, it's like Vincennes. It transferred, just like Indianapolis outgrew Vincennes, so they eventually transferred okay. the diocese to Indianapolis. Bardstown transferred to Louisville. Okay. So same kind of thing. How would you know about that? My first assignment was Bardstown. <laughs> was it really? My very first assignment, yeah. So if anybody's listening from Dearborn, they're getting part of the homily. So this is a little bit of my intro. Well, that's fine. That's a, that's a great connection, though. Like. So, so, yeah. I'm sure that's, of all these, like, anniversaries you've done, that's probably cool to be able to go talk about. And well, I, like to tell, I like to remind them when they first, like, St. Mary's and Nile, I, I reminded them, you know, when you, when you were founded, the bishop that would have been here would have been a bishop from Kentucky. Today, you got another bishop from Kentucky. <laughs> you can't get away from us. <laughs> Which is kind of like, the, not quite like, um, you know, Jonah and the Ninevites, they didn't get along, of course. You know, the, uh, the Ninevites were the Assyrians who had previously conquered Israel. And uh, so Jonah, that's why he was resistant in wanting to follow God's direction to preach them. And then when the fact, when they repented so immediately, so quickly, they re responded so quickly to the, his preaching he was not happy because mm. he didn't want to see them in good grace. He wanted yeah. to see them destroyed. And so, well, I can speak truthfully that uh, as a Hoosier, he, responding to the preaching of a UK fan, I feel the same way. <laughs> uh. Exactly. <laughs> oh, hear you. <laughs> like the Ninevites, you're ready to repent. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh no! It. Uh, I think I don't know. I. There's probably something really. I'm sure there are days where, like, I, I I think I've gotten to know you over the years a little bit and well enough to know that there are plenty of days where, like, you would very much rather just be in a parish preaching a regular daily mass and, like, doing a regular homily on the weekends. Like, oh, yeah. the the job you have is not I, – I, I don't know many people who would desire it or want it, <laughs> um, but you're incredibly good at it. Yeah. But there's also, on the other side, like – you get to preach on some really unique things and like go around for these special celebrations and, and, and really go into a lot of places when everybody's just excited that you're there because they're excited to celebrate and they're excited to put those things on. So I'm, I'm wondering, does that, does that become a motivator? Cause I'm sure it wears you out too. Like you're, you're just all over the place. It's probably exciting to open my mouth. <laughs> so, uh, Until the know, 35th minute of your homily. That's, you know, I'm, I remember, um, I remember when, before, right when I was named a bishop, another bishop said to me, two things he prepared me for. He said, two things you need to get ready for. He said, that are, that'll just hit you. He said, one is, wherever you go, you're going to see your picture. Every parish has your picture. Every I've church, wondered about that a every lot. Every hospital. So I'm glad he said that to me because it's kind of like to see yourself wherever you go, it's kind of bizarre. And you but, had to probably this, approve it, right? Like. Because you got your portrait no, taken. No, it's whatever, it's whatever the picture that the diocese uses, and they send that out. Yeah, but you, you didn't get to say, like, use well, this yeah, one? Well, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Okay. They do say which one, here's. But, but the <laughs> but second, you probably were But I the don't second care. one was, and the, the bishop said to me, which goes back to your question, and um, that, you know, as a bishop, the one thing you lose as a pastor is you, you don't have any more like a pastor. You don't get to know that same community. You're not mm. with them for all their deaths and their, their births and all their weddings and their 
struggles and their ups and downs and get to know a community and be with them for years and, and all the different aspects of their lives, seeing the kids grow up all going through the grades of the school, the religious ed, whatever. Um, you don't have that ongoing relationship, but wherever you go, it's always like Christmas for them. It's always like it's a main event, like it's an yeah. anniversary. It's, insta- it's installation of a pastor celebrating confirmation. It's it's always a big celebration. And so um, you always you, you, you have to remember that as a bishop that where you're going uh, is a big event for them. And although you may have done several of these, like I said, I've done several anniversaries of parishes lately or I've done several bapt- confirmations or several installation past whatever it is even though i've done many of those in each place i go to it's something unique for them and mm-hmm. so to remember uh that how important it is to make sure you're prepared as best you can to to do to to be present to that community so i'm not saying i do it well but i try to remember that that's important and i'm glad another an older bishop pointed that out yeah. to me when i first got started we we talked about it last week so it's documented, so he can't deny that he said it. But before we even talked about you coming on the pod pa- podcast, uh, Father Tim, which is Scala, was on last week and spoke very highly. He was talking about your the preaching you do at confirmations. And he's I've, he's right. I've heard it multiple times. Like You give very beautiful, very elegant homilies at confirmations. But it, it, one of my favorite things about it is, and I've again, I've seen you do it at these celebrations and stuff, and you just talked about it here. You're always so intentional to make sure that your your homily is about the scripture and about the readings of that. And it would be so easy to not. Mm-hmm. It would be so easy to just preach on the event and talk about the community and talk. But even in all those confirmations that you do, I've always heard you be so intentional about preaching about the scripture. And Father Tim said last week, the scripture about the sacrament itself and that celebration. And then about the youth who are there and the things they wrote and the things they said. So, and it sounds like as you're preparing for this weekend, it's very similar that mm-hmm. you're you're preaching very specifically about the scriptures this week and tying that to Dearborn County and their history, and then making sure to talk uh, up Kentucky. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not again. I'm not, not that I don't I don't pretend to say I do it well, but I do it good, do it well anytime, let alone all the time. But for me, it's important to remember that we're there to preach. The word of God, not ourselves. We're not preaching our agenda. We're not preaching right. our ideology. We got to preach Christ. We have to mm-hmm. preach Him, preach Him crucified and risen. And so th- that's why the scriptures always has to be a part of the homily to re- keep us rooted in what we're there for. You know, uh, one thing they teach us in seminary is the liturgy belongs to the church, not to the individual priest. The mm-hmm. homily belongs to the church, not to the individual priest, so that we can't do our own thing. We're there to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. We're there to preach what the church teaches and believes, not what my agenda or my ego or my ideology may say at any given time. So the, the scripture readings are what keeps me anchored and rooted and grounded hmm. in what this is all about. So with each parish, it has its own unique personality, its own unique history. Uh, and, I, and I speak to that. I speak to the history of the moment. I speak to the, some particulars of that place. But it's always rooted in, in, in Christ and in the living word, not only the word of God from the written text, but the living word of God, Jesus himself in this community. What, uh, what are some of the other major themes that you're looking at for this weekend's reading? You mentioned kind of time and the essence of time and being called to this, this, this moment. Are there any other kind of themes for this weekend's homily that you're looking at? Or could you have gone a different direction? Well, again, it's, 
you also you look at what what's the occasion what are you preaching like you said mm -hmm. in, in, you know what i'll say at a confirmation you take the same readings and what i would say in the context of a confirmation would be different than the context of installing a pastor in the con different right. from the context of a parish uh or 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 this 200th year history so sure. again 200 year history you got a lot about the time it's 200 years of time and what has that time been filled with and um so the focus, you know, the, the, you know, St. Paul basically seized the moment mm -hmm. in that second reading. And Jonah, in his preaching, the Ninevites seized the moment. And Jesus begins his public ministry, you know, also the calling of the first disciples who follow. So, again, all that can tie in well with the 200th year anniversary of how people have responded to the times. In any given moment of 200 years, like I said, it could be times during World War One, World War Two. It could be in times whenever the first landed on the moon. It could be a time when there was the great a great disaster, a tornado, or, or or some catastrophe somewhere else. So in any of those given moments, how have the people responded to those mm -hmm. moments? And you know, uh, who's been called and who's responded in those in any any given moment of time? Uh, one of the things I didn't do here, which uh, you could do again coming from those readings, is like. In these 200 years, how many, like like those first disciples at the end of Je at the end of the gospel, have responded to the call to follow Jesus in their own unique way? Whether that their baptismal call, first of all, the baptismal call to holiness and mission, uh, all are called. Uh, but we, how we uniquely, how we have we uniquely responded? Whether that's priesthood, mm -hmm. diaconate, uh, religious life, married life, single life, whatever that is. So you could also, I didn't quite do, I didn't do that on this particular. Uh, for this particular weekend, but sure. that's another theme you could have pulled out of there as responding to the call. And that radical follow. commitment. Yeah. So the other, uh, the, the kind of that essence of time that you talked about before kind of sparked to this other piece that I was reflecting on yesterday. I was listening to uh, the Hallow app and um, I can't remember there's who was doing the reflection, but they, they talked about, about time and how people today don't know what to do with with time in terms of, of, of rest. Like we always try to fill our calendar to the busiest amount of time, but reflecting back in scripture and Jesus or God creates the universe, but he, he rests mm -hmm. as well. And he looks back on it on the six days of work that he did and he rests. What do you think like in today's world, when we look at the time that we have and how it's being used, what do, what do families, what do people need to do that we aren't doing so that we can truly use the time in the next 200 years that we, that we're not looking back and, and re regretting something. You know, two things come to mind. One is today we're, 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 we're sitting here on January the 17th, mm -hmm. uh, the Memorial of St. Athen, uh, St. Um, just went blank. St. Um, uh, um, I'm looking. Father of monasticism. I just went totally blank. Uh, Athanasius? Ath no, Anthony. St. Anthony. Saint, Saint Anthony. Um, of Egypt. Of Egypt, so the oh, father of. Manasseh, I was going to say, did you forget? Had a, no, no, no. Other, other Saint Anthony. Other Saint Anthony. I had a brain freeze, uh, but Saint Anthony, you know, I one of the reflections of commentaries I was reading was he. What he's teaching us is that there's the need for solitude. Mm. He goes into the desert. He, he dedicates his entire life to to intense prayer and solitude. And we all need solitude in our lives. I'm not saying we have to go to deserts, but but we need to find that space where we have s solitude. Silence is so important in our lives. Like you said, we want to fill that up with so much. And I, I'm the same way sometimes. I can find myself being anxious and and antsy, and, and I want to do something. I want to focus up on something in particular. And I need to just step back sometimes, just sit in the silence, sit 
in the in the solitude of the moment. So I think that's one piece. Um, another thing, you know, I look back on my own childhood, my own growing up, and how I've got to where I'm at today. And um, you know, I, my parents. I I I jokingly say that I raised my parents. Mm. They were both 19 when they got married, and I was born 11 months later. So they were very <laughs> young. I lived. They were married for 63 years. When my father recently died. Uh, so while I jokingly say I raised them, they were very devout Catholics. And, you know, I've got different cousins and relatives that say they don't go to church because they felt like the church was pushed down their throats or there was so much pushed at them that it just turned them off. I never had that experience. Yeah. My parents never, never, ever felt like that was being pushed on me or being demanded in, a, in an inappropriate way. My parents just went through the motions. They just lived their faith. And we we prayed, we prayed meals every, every meal we had. We had dinner together. I know a lot of families can't do that today, but we had dinner together every night, and we said grace. We prayed. Every night there was the time for the rosary, and if you were home, you prayed the rosary. If you happened to be out that night, so be it. But if you were there, you prayed the rosary. So my parents didn't go, go to Mass on Sundays. They just, you know, it never dawned on me not to go to Mass. It mm. never dawned on me not to pray the rosary if I was home. It never dawned on me to skip out on this or that when it came to the faith. Um, and it wasn't that they... They talked about it a lot. They just did it. They just mm-hmm. went. They prayed. They, 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 they showed up. And I think part of it, part of us today, is is finding that space, that time as individuals, but also as families. Yeah. Even even as something as saying grace before meals or trying to pray some kind of way as a family. Like I said, growing up, ours was the rosary. It could have been just reading the gospel the following, the upcoming Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some way that we have something, some other voice speaking to us uh, the voice of God either through the word, through silence, through solitude, through some prayer of the church versus letting all these other voices of, of, of today's culture and society uh, somehow have, uh, the, have have the full our hearts or our minds. Is there anything that, so saying grace, saying, saying the rosary, is there anything that you kind of reflect back on in your whether it's your parents' marriage, the way that you guys lived out family life that really stuck out as something as formational in your... Do you have a, a trick for us? Yeah. I'm How not... do we make archbishops? <laughs> I have three daughters, so I'm at a disadvantage. <laughs> no, you're, you're not looking to make a, an archbishop. You're yeah. looking to make people, missionary disciples of Christ. You're looking yeah. for how to, how to make people followers of Christ. You know, I, there was a there was a, a, a guy in, in the Archdiocese of Louisville, where I'm from, um, who was two years ahead of me in seminary. And they always told the story. He was one of nine children. And he, the story they always told is that every night at, at, at meals, they would always pray for a vocation, that God would bless their family with at least one vocation. Yeah. <laughs> and thinking priesthood. And by the time he was ordained, they realized while they were praying for one vocation, they actually had nine. Mm. They had one priest, but they had nine vocations. They had married and families and parents and uh, all sorts of vocations. In the everybody had a vocation in the family. But at the time, growing up, they, as he was growing up, they only thought of vocation as being priest. But over time, they realized that although they were praying for one, they got nine. Yeah, all nine children had a vocation. And I think first and foremost, we think that how do we how do we um, how do we make sure we're passing on the faith and inspiring our children to to first and foremost come to know Jesus that's the that's the that's the the core of evangelization leading people to a personal encounter with Christ to come to know him uh, not just to know his name not to know about him but to know him hmm. 
And we lead, how, how do we lead our children to that encounter uh, through the various forms of prayer, scripture, silence, solitude, all the different ways we do that. And the best way to do that is witness. You know, Pope Francis has said that over and over. The first thing we have to give is witness. If, if our witness, if we're, if, if, if we're trying to tell people how important it is to pray or go to Mass and we look like we're struggling to do it, who's going to gonna, gonna be attracted to that? Right. And so first, how do we get people to live their baptismal call? And then whether they become a priest or religious or married or deacon or archbishop or pope, wherever they're going to be after that, that's, that's something else. My parents didn't think about we got to have a priest or a bishop. Um, they, they thought about how do we raise our children in the faith and make sure that they, we, and they've always saw it as, you know, the question when my parents have been interviewed over the years about me being a priest, being a bishop, archbishop, whatever, mm-hmm. they, they, their, their response is always, we, we, we entrust him to the Lord. We've always entrusted him to the Lord, whatever God's going to do with his life. And so I think that's the case for any child. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we've in the office of readings the last few days, we've had it on Samuel and how his mother prayed f- for a child. And she prayed, if you know, if you give me a child, I'll, I'll dedicate him to you, God. And she gave a child first thing she did. She, she took him to Eli and said, he's yours. I promised that I would give him back to God if I, if I had this gift. So every child is a gift and how we how we raise them to, to, to entrust them back to God's care. That's a longer yeah. message than you wanted. <laughs> You're pretty good at this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except I couldn't remember the saint's name, St. Anthony's name. Well, I couldn't remember what week we were doing, so that's fine. <laughs> Everybody's doing great. Uh, all right. right. You ready well, for some dumb let's questions? Let's really dumb this down then. Yes. Somebody, uh, your lovely wife, Scott, asked me today, do your dumb questions get more dumb when the archbishop's here or less dumb? And I said, well, we're all going to find out. <laughs> but uh, uh, Our first dumb question, actually, this is a... a I wouldn't even say listener submitted because I'm sure he's never listened to the podcast, but guest submitted because uh, I asked one of your the priests of your archdiocese what question we should ask you, and I think this is a really good one. Does the priest like me or dislike me? He likes you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he said, "Who is the most fun to like sit at or sit next to or with at the USCCB, or who is who are you like most excited to encounter and like run into? Who's who of the bishops at the USCCB? Who's the most fun? <laughs> I don't think any other bishops listen, so I don't think th- I think this is a low pressure question. There are, there are a lot of there are a lot of fun, wonderful guys. There, there are some really good guys. Uh, I always sit with Bishop Medley of Owensboro and Bishop Spalding of Nashville because we're the three bishops that are from the Archdiocese of Louisville. So we go back many, many years. All and didn't you say earlier you're all from the same county? All three, our roots are all from the same county of Kentucky, Marion County, which is the most Cali county in the state of Kentucky. So we seek each other out and always send each other. And so we've known each other since before we even priest. And uh, and so, you know, 30, 40 years we've known each there, other. There can't be, that can't exist anywhere else in the country, oh, I'm in, sure, the, I'm in sure the world. There, I'm sure there is, but... But Maybe a county we, in Rome. Because we've known know. each other so much, we always have comments yeah. we make back and forth that we would never share with anyone else. <laughs> so, uh, especially one of those two guys I just mentioned has a has a quite a quite a sharp tongue. So <laughs> the, the, the other guy and I are always making sure we're on each side of him so we can hear whatever comment he's gonna whatever commentary he's got going on at any given moment. Okay, so outside of your childhood friends, here <laughs> the people you knew before. What what other because there has to be. You're in a unique situation because you know these guys, and and 
I'd be curious even like how many bishops did you know before you became a bishop and were attending USCCB? So you had contact with out from outside of there. But for a lot of bishops, they may show up at that meeting and they don't know anyone mm-hmm. other than maybe the bishop from their own diocese where they were, you know, so there's, I'm wondering like, how do you, how do you make friends at something like this? It's a that, new bishop orientation. You get a little <laughs> sticker on your name tag. Or? Is there orientation? There is an orientation. Well, we have they have the meeting in Rome for yeah. bishops, and then the USCCB now has an orientation each year for for bishops been ordained the last couple. Of to years. say, watch out for those guys from. Well, Kentucky. just kind of understand how the protocol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's first and foremost to know. Uh, but you know, just learn how to things how things work and yeah. the protocols, and um, everything. But I don't know if I think about who am I going to sit next. Who's fun to sit next to? Uh, there's a lot. You know, over time, I've gotten to know a lot of guys and. And um, just admire them. And some of you I went to school with. You know, there's guys that I went to, uh, um, you know, I got my guys from Indiana. So I always like to see the guys from Indiana. You know, we, you're, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin is one region. So I've gotten to know those guys over the years with our regional meetings and our annual retreats. And you get close to those guys. You get, per, you know, there's guys I went studying in Canada Law with. Uh, so I, I know, so I look forward to seeing those guys. Uh, and there's just guys that you get to know from World Youth Day when when you're over there, or um, just I was just at Seek, you know, last week, uh, week before last, whatever, and uh, just spending time getting to know certain guys on those smaller groups, uh, or when you're on at Lemina's, you get to know certain yeah. guys. So um, those those relationships kind of develop over time. There's just several guys. I always look forward to seeing uh, Cardinal Tobin uh, because of his time here and being my predecessor and just someone I've always admired and uh, look up to, and who's I think is this. Very brilliant. Literally, look up to. Yeah, he's <laughs> a big man. <laughs> figuratively and literally, but you know, it's always somebody I look forward to saying hello yeah. to. And um, you know, you, you you have breakfast. Not only do you do set with guys, but you have breakfast. You have breakfast to catch up with this guy. You have lunch to catch up with that guy. And this past time, I'm I'm on a lot of committees, so this past time was a lot of work. I didn't get the personal social time with guys I would have liked, but I'm just. A lot of committees. Work. That was the question. The next question I was going to ask is, who's the most dangerous for you to, uh, are we all right, Scott? I don't know. It says it's being recorded. Okay. So, there I think go. it's still going. Okay. Who, I was going to say, who's it most dangerous to be talking to because they nominate you for a committee and then I know you're not, you're not great at saying no to committees for the USCCB. Well, the most so. dangerous guy to sit next to is the one I sit next to, the one I said has a, who has always has a commentary <laughs> going because you want to make sure you, your face doesn't show <laughs> a reaction to what he just said or <coughs> commented on. Um, but other than that, yeah. I don't know. There's no one to. All right. Those, those are good. Yeah, I mean, you, you never, did a you, great you, job you of answering, who, but not answering. You're never, <laughs> what you, but you don't know who's nominating. Like, yeah. Like I'm on, like I'm a chair of a committee. I don't, I, to this day, I don't know who nominated me or why. <laughs> or what? Yeah. So. Yeah. But, but you wouldn't end up on all those committees if you weren't effective at it. So. I don't talk a lot. I, I'm, I'm a, if you've noticed, if you've, if you've followed the USCCB meetings over the last 12 and a half years, you can go back. <laughs> what do you think we do during you can those go, meetings? You can, you yeah, can go back. Like on C-SPAN or? You, you can go back to any EWTN, I think, carries it. But oh, really? if you go back and watch any of those, if you can watch any of the recording, you'll never see me getting up because I'm not one of those that's going to start. I'm going to start. Talk, so. I'm going to start going and watching and watching you and the guys you're sitting next yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you won't see me get up and the microphone <laughs> yeah. very often. So. All right. Uh, next dumb question. Uh, we had... 
we actually had some uh, use. These are listener submitted questions, actual actual listeners this time. Uh, so Mike Thomas, thanks for writing into us. He says he's a friend of the podcast, self declared. Yes, but we'll call we'll we'll count it. Uh, so he asked a couple questions for any priest, but you get to answer okay. them being here with us. Uh, the first question he asked is: So if we if going to mass after four p.m. on a Saturday counts as Sunday, our Sunday obligation. Does that mean the church is saying Sunday is more than 24 hours long? Like, because does how late on Sunday night could you go to Mass and count it for the obligation? And why did we decide that Saturday at 4 p.m. becomes Sunday? Technically, till midnight on Sunday, I guess. Yeah. Count, so, uh, you know, you know the um, my understanding of the. It's just a dumb question. You know, Don't what, overthink. What, yeah. No, no. <laughs> well, think back before before the Vatican II. There was no there was no Saturday evening vigil Mass. Uh, there, you, you went on Sundays. Yeah. And you remember, you had to fast from midnight until you went to Mass. My parents got married on at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning. They married at 9 a.m. in the morning because you had to fast. If you were going to celebrate your marriage within Mass, you had, to, you had to fast from midnight on. So, you know, after the Second Vatican Council and, you know, the reworking of, re, re, revising of, the, of canon law, a lot of those changes took place. And so instead of fasting from midnight on, we've had to fast now a mi- an hour before before yeah. communion. So, but then vigil, one of the key reasons I understand why they started the Saturday evening vigil mass to start with was for, for um, mixed, mixed religion marriages mm-hmm. so, that, so that the Catholic could go to mass on the vigil so that he or she could then perhaps go with their spouse, their non-Catholic spouse, to practice, to, to, to church with them at their at their place of worship on Sunday morning. So it was a way to That's interesting. try to help mix marriage couples hmm. and, and, and with I heard that. The, the spirituality of their yeah. marriage. So that was one of the key reasons why it got started. With all your travel you do, do you, do you avoid vigil masses for the most part? Do you, do you get Saturday nights off a lot? No. I, or do you end up celebrating one place really Saturday night? It's asking. Okay. You, know, you got to, you know, for parish, you know, there's 126 parishes in the Archdiocese and each of them has their own personalities, their own uh, ways of doing things. And so, for, you know, a lot of times when somebody wants me to come for a confirmation or for a installation pastor, they're going to pick the parish, the mass that's probably mm-hmm. most attended. And for some of those places, if you're merged, if two or three parishes are linked together, their Saturday night mass might be their, that parishes, or it might be the only one they've got. If that pastor only has a Saturday night mass there and, yeah. and two Sunday mornings at two other places, that Saturday night might be the only place only time they have a mass at that church, so or I guess if I try to go. I go whenever they're they, they're yeah. inviting me. I guess if they're gonna like when we celebrated the seventy fifth at St. Mark, we had a dinner afterwards, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that or they yeah that because be. it worked well for them. That yeah, day. and then some want them on Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons. Like this one I got coming up this weekend is on Sunday. When when you have you been to uh, ours uh, coffee house in Dearborn County? No, it's a. Uh, the coffee ministry. Of, I know of it, but I've not been. There. It's wonderful. So. You should you should make it a point next time you're driving down to Cincinnati. I can't remember the last time I was in a coffee house, but anyway. <laughs> oh, I know you don't like coffee, but they got great. Oh, I didn't say I didn't too. like coffee. I oh. haven't been to a coffee house in a while. You should go. Okay. It's it's a it, it's. I mean, it's technically yours. Yeah. It's ours, but it's his too. But uh, ours. You see, I know ARS. I get it. Uh, but you should stop by there. It's really awesome, and I think it's it, well. It is closed on Sundays. So, but I'll bet if you ask, they'd open it up for you. Um, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but it's a really awesome place. Anyway, that was separate. Uh, this is a question that uh, the second question that Mike submitted, I think, is a really good one for you because of 
all of the places you go to. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about some of the most interesting crucifixes that you've seen? So his reference was, he says at Our Lady of the Greenwood, they have what he calls like a beefy linebacker Jesus <laughs> on the crucifix. But I think the, the comment uh, or more of the commentary of like, just there is like, you see, you don't see the same crucifix everywhere. It is a pretty kind of a really neat thing that most parishes have something like different, unique. Where are, where are your favorite crucifixes that you've seen in the arch? Or at least the ones that stick out in your mind. I can't do that right now. I, 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 I am, um, I'm I'm horrible about observing yeah. aesthetics of a place I'm at. I can enjoy them while oh, I'm really? there, but to remember them, if you put a gun to my head right now and said, "Tell me what color my carpet is in my office right now," I've been there six and a half years. I couldn't tell you. It's red. Or if you tell me, it's you know, whatever color. I think you're right. <laughs> See, I, I remember, or ask me what colors, what color are, is my wall and my in my office at home. Or I couldn't tell yeah. you. I mean, I'm just horrible about that kind of stuff. Um, if I close my eyes, you ask me what I'm wearing, I couldn't probably tell you. Well, probably I would say black, just, just it's the default. Yeah. But, uh, so I'm, you're I'm, actually I'm, wearing gray. You know, <laughs> and, I, and, and there's 126 parishes, and so yeah. you know, as I'm driving to someplace, some of those I'm, I've been to them enough times now that I, re I remember what it looked like and everything, the layout. But there's still some of those I've only been there once or twice that I'm driving there thinking I can't remember what it looked like. And as soon as I get there, I walk in. Oh yeah, that's what this looks like. Yeah. So I, um, to say nothing I, sticks out. What though? crucifix sticks out for me? Um, or are there any churches in the, so of those 126, and this isn't to knock any of the other ones, but are there any that you just think like, man, that one's beautiful. Like you get excited when you're going to visit that one because oh, of. I'm not going to do that even if, if I had one. It's not, oh, come on. No, it's not I, about playing favorites or anything. That. That, that, that would come across that way. So, I mean, the place I'm at. I think you overestimate the, our I, listeners. The place I'm at most of, obviously is the cathedral. Yeah. Because, um, you know, that's the mother church of the diocese. And mm -hmm. so. Um, I'm certainly well aware of the crucifix and the, the, the crucifix there with, you know, with uh, Mary and John at the, at the at the foot of the cross. And um, that's yeah. one that probably comes to my mind the most because I'm yeah. there the most. On the rare dose. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. Here's another question I thought of while we were doing this. You were, you were talking about, this. so you do, you get to, it's Christmas, right? It's, you talked about it, like all of these places you go to, you're celebrating these things. Do you, other than like family or a close personal friend, how often do you like get to celebrate a wedding or a funeral or do some of those things? I guess those are those questions I always have of like, you, you end up in these like big events, but. I do, um, you know, that, that certainly diminished after becoming a bishop. I yeah. probably do, I probably average about four weddings a year. On average, some days might be, some years might be two, next year might be six, one might be three. But about four a year, um, you know, I'm from a big family. Mm -hmm. uh, most <laughs> most of the, my cousins and, and now my niece and nephews are married, so not as many as those, but some former parishioners still will call me. Okay. Um, so I got a couple more I probably expect anytime soon. Um, funerals. I get, I go back for a couple of funerals, two or three funerals a year. Those are harder because you can't you can plan a wedding. Yeah, you know yeah. You, you can't plan funerals. So so normally when someone's calling you, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be out of town, yeah. not even in town for that week that the funeral. I guess I was wondering even like how often just at a parish or someplace do you do you like do you ever find that that urge to just be like, I mean it's a bit it's a big part of your your call and your vocation as a priest. Now you're obviously you're a bishop now, you're still a priest, but. 
as a bishop, like there are other things that you have to do, but I would just imagine like maybe you miss it sometimes. Like there's something right. beautiful about celebrating that, right? And, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, obviously, I mean, I was, I, I, I went to seminary to be a parish priest. I was studying to be a Dawson yeah. priest and, you know, overwhelmingly most Dawson priests are going to be in parishes. And so, yeah. uh, and I, I've, I've done that even, even when I had Dawson, archdiocesan positions, I was still a pastor. I was a judicial vicar, vicar general, held other positions in the archdiocese level, but I was always a pastor, chaplain to different high schools, but I was always a pastor. So, um, so that was always a part of my, my ministry. And, you know, you, like I said, you get close to families, you get connected. And um, for the funerals that, and the weddings that I do go back, if it's not families, usually because it's yeah. the connection I had as a pastor or a parish priest with those particular families. Um, so you do miss that. You, yeah. miss, you miss that ongoing connection. Um, but that's just, you know, but th- there's always sacrifice. And in, every, in everything yeah. we, we do, there's always something you have to give up. Yeah. Um, and so... That's just part of the, that's part of the sacrifice of a, of a bishop. The uh, well, today is the we're recording on the feast of Saint Anthony of Egypt. It does not feel like a desert outside. It is four degrees, I believe, today. Are you still running every day? But not outside. Not, no. yeah, I ran. I ran four <laughs> miles this morning, but I did it on a treadmill. That's uh, you incredible. know, it's and I do it more and more on the treadmill um, because where I live, there's no sidewalk, right? And so I got to get off those main roads and back into the the neighborhoods as best I can, but even then there's no, you still get back in some main roads, but, uh, and I run somewhere around, around five, five thirty in the morning usually. Mm-hmm. So it's dark, it's cold. I have no sidewalk. So usually, and I'm getting older, so I'm more and more just, it's easier just to put on a pair of short pants and a t-shirt and run on the treadmill than put eight layers on and <laughs> try to navigate traffic or minus three degrees or something. Yeah. Uh, last question. You're a canon lawyer by trade as well as part of part of your time. By trade. By trade, sure. Uh, I don't know why I said that. Thank you. Uh, my <laughs> Stop. It's just my fun. question becomes, as a canon lawyer, an archbishop, what is the official act of reprimand to put in place if I want to file official grievance because my <laughs> pastor can't figure out how to light the advent candles in the right order on our, on our advent wreath. We're, I've been hanging on to this one for, I've asked Father James Brockmeyer if we can file some a sort of official grievance. I've drafted a letter to the papal nuncio. You're up next. I knew you were going to, we were going to have you on, but what, what, what can, what, is, what acts of recourse do I have? <laughs> I can't handle it <laughs> for, because my pastor two years in a row now, they have, we have lit the purple candle next to the rose candle and then the purple across and then the rose candle. We're zigzagging. We're not in a circle. I'd like to file an official reprimand. I'm well, wondering, I'm wondering, I, you're, you're, you are the authority here. As a can of lawyer, I listened closely to your words. And you said, <laughs> and you said, what do I, you're asking for, you're asking for some kind of, um, right, you're asking for, right, what reprimand for someone, for a priest, you said, who can't light an order. If, if they can't light an order, there would not be a reprimand. You would be looking for some kind of solution to assist or help him. If he's intentionally not doing it, that's that's the that's a different thing, but you said he can't. So can't versus won't are two different. He's tall the, enough to. The other thing is, he he is lighting two purple candles before he lights the rose candle, correct? Yes. So in that sense, he got them in the right order. So it's just long, the first there's the first two Sundays is 
is a violet candle, and only on the third sand, Sunday of Advent. But you're telling me that wouldn't bother you if you saw the candle. Oh yeah, I'm OCD. I'm, I'm Type A OCD. I'm. Yeah. I'm, so so can we? Can you officially say he's wrong? Can you just say that for me, and we'll clip this? I can't say he's wrong. No, he's. How can I say he's wrong? He's like man, it's Father Tim. You can right, say he's, he's wrong. Right. I'm sure you tell him he's, he's wrong right. all the time. For, for, I'm, I can't say he's wrong for two reasons. One is he's lighting two violet candles <laughs> before he lights the rose candle, and secondly, he's three times my size. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one is probably more the most important. All right, uh, I guess I've got it. I'm, a, this, I'm officially done. I'm officially done. Just broke his I've, heart. I know. I've gone as high. Are you as... gonna reprimand? Are you gonna write to the nuncio to reprimand me since I can't take on? A priest. Yes, potential. Yes, yes. Uh, our cowardly Archbishop refuses to. <laughs> oh, no, that's it. That's all I got. Archbishop Thompson, this is wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and listening to my dumb questions and me not being prepared for the podcast. Always a joy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all very, very much. God bless you guys. It's all right because I'm all set for. It's all right because I'm all set for. It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday.